Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome into another edition of Rush Hour, presented by Bed Rivers. Danny Burke, your host, live out of the Bed Rivers Sportsbook here on a Wednesday evening. We've got some baseball to look forward to tonight and some NFL win totals and other bets surrounding the gridiron and a little bit of college football. Damon Benning in 45 minutes. This great work as a Big Ten analyst out there in Omaha. Played for the Huskers, obviously, in you know, he knows his Big Ten football, so we'll get a preview with him heading into the upcoming season, which team he thinks takes the top of the conference and the respective divisions east and west. Maybe a little bit of Heisman talk and pretty much just everything surrounding college football, but honed in on the Big Ten with Damon. In 10 minutes, we'll get Will Hill, Point Spread Weekly writer and decent contributor all around. He'll be hopping on to talk a little bit of baseball. He's got a couple plays on the diamond tonight, and he's got some NFL action to look forward to, so we'll hit some NFL with him. In between, I want to look at some unique props in terms of the NFL. What about odds for which team will have the most wins, and conversely, the odds for which teams will have the fewest wins. So we'll get into that along with some of my season win total best bets. A lot of them are going to be kind of similar to what we discussed last week. Josh Applebaum, Beeson's betting reporter, pretty much him and I were very similar, neck and neck with a lot of our plays. So we'll kind of just recap that, go over some of the top plays I have for the season win totals. Now, of course, we'll get to that a little bit later in the show. And I know that the NBA season is over, but is it truly, really ever over? Because a lot of times people say it's more exciting in the offseason. But nevertheless, we'd be remiss if we didn't go over 
the updated odds for the 2021-2022 NBA championship. Now, of course, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but congratulations to the Bucks. We take a tough loss with the Suns and our Chris Paul MVP ticket, but it is what it is. It was a heck of a season, had some great futures cash along the way, and now we're moving on to continue with baseball and the NFL and college football. So a lot to look forward to, but how about Giannis, man? Rightfully so deserved it, as did the Milwaukee Bucks. Played their butts off these past three games. So shout out to Milwaukee. But where do they lie looking in to the upcoming odds for this next year's championship? Well, they're not at the top of the list, as you would probably imagine. It's the Brooklyn Nets. If they can remain healthy, they are probably going to be the most stacked team. And look, if we're talking about an inch away from a different conversation here with Katie having that shot against the Bucks in Game 7. So realistically, they still could have had a chance to win it. But for next year, Brooklyn is the short shot at Bet Rivers to become the next NBA champions. 2-1. to one. For Brooklyn, then you get the Los Angeles Lakers at plus 550. The Milwaukee Bucks at 7-1 if you think they can repeat. Then the Golden State Warriors 10-1. The Phoenix Suns come in at 14-1. Utah 16-1. Philly 18-1. And then you get the likes of the Clippers at 22-1 along with the Nuggets. Mavericks 30-1. Hawks 35-1 along with the Heat. Celtics 50-1. Blazers 80-1. The list goes on and on and on. Now, early observations, just kind of looking at this list, the first thing I kind of like to dissolve is who are some of the long shots that, mainly based on price and still decent enough roster, could be worth a play. Just solely, mainly focused on price, though. And about three teams, I guess you could qualify, stuck out to me. And one would be the Miami Heat at 35-1. to 1. I mean, what, were a season removed away from them being in the championship? I know it was in the strange year in the bubble, but still, if they can somewhat get rid of what happened this past season. I mean, they were dealing with injuries. They just couldn't get on a rhythm. They're so volatile. If they can maybe, you know, get a healthy Oladipo and just still have the same squad, you know, this team, if they get that rhythm, could be worth a shot at the long odds of 35-1. to 1. Aside from the Heat at 35-1, to 1, what about a team that was very close to getting there, being the Atlanta Hawks at 35-1? to 1. Now, I'm not rushing to want to bet Atlanta, per se. I'd probably rather do the Heat. Instead, but still, that's a high price for a team that was very close to making it to the finals. And then how about the Denver Nuggets at 22-1? to 1? Let's not forget, this is a team that has a young star potentially rising in Michael Porter Jr. You have the MVP in Jokic, a healthy Jamal Murray at some point. And then obviously, if Aaron Gordon can stay consistent more so offensively, this could still be a really solid squad. So the Nuggets at 22-1 to 1 could present some value. But a team that I think, you know, a little bit shorter but has the right pieces... Barring health, I mean, that's with every team, but specifically this team is the Golden State Warriors at 10-1. to Let's see what this team does in the offseason. Let's, let's see what they do with the draft, potentially, because they're a team that could make some moves with some guys in the market, as we know, with Ben Simmons, Damian Lillard out there. The Warriors at 10-1, to that price could shoot down a little bit, as could the likes of the 76ers at 18-1. to But honestly, Heat, Hawks, Nuggets, and Warriors... Could be some interesting looks right now. 10-1 to for the Warriors. All the other players, or teams rather, are in double-digit odds or more. Once again, welcome into the show. It is Rush Hour, presented by Bet Rivers, right here on Visa D Sports Betting Network. I'm Danny Burke, your host, live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook on this Wednesday evening, talking about some upcoming NBA Finals odds 2021-2022. I know it could be ridiculous to already get into it, but we still like to throw it out there just to get a basis of the day one of where these odds have been lifted or uh, listed. Excuse me. And again, the teams that I really circled out that were most of importance or just intrigued me the most as of this point were the Heat at 35 to one, Hawks at 35 to one, then the Denver Nuggets at 22 to one, 
and the Warriors at about 10 to 1. Now, the Suns, you see a team like that at 14 to 1. What's going to happen in the offseason? Is CP3 going to be there? That's a big question. Uh, you could make the argument for the Mavericks at 30 to 1, but are they going to have enough pieces around Doncic? That's kind of a big question as well. So, again, we're not going to focus too much on this in the upcoming days, weeks, maybe even the months. But, again, something to just keep in the back of your mind as we get closer to the start of the new season. But, all right, we are going to be welcoming on Will Hill in a few moments. But before we bring him on, I did want to dish out a baseball play that I have tonight. We got a nice winner last night with the Rockies with our first five bet. Let's get back at it tonight. Going in the AL with the Southsiders, the White Sox taking on the Minnesota Twins this evening. This one opened up with the White Sox minus 127. They've gotten all the love on the money line up to this point at Bet Rivers up to minus 148. Minnesota catching plus 128 on the other side. This total, now this total opened at about nine, went up to nine and a half at Bet Rivers, dipped back down to just nine. The over is even money, the under is minus 118. And I'm actually playing this game over nine. Now, you're getting Dylan Cease and Michael Pineda on the bump for each respective team. And, you know, Cease first the Twins this season. I mean, he's got 16.1 innings pitch. He's allowed 14 hits, 11 earned runs, and 22 Ks. The Sox are 2-1 and one in those games where Cease has started against Minnesota. Pineda on the other side in two games against the White Sox. 10.2 innings pitch, 16 hits he's allowed, along with 8 earned runs and 11 strikeouts. Twins have lost both games Pineda has started against the Sox. Now, realistically, over his career, I mean, Cease has struggled against Minnesota. He's 1-3 with an 8.04 ERA in six starts that cover about 28 innings. And the, the games that Cease started this season, it ended 8-5 and 13-3 in each respective start. That doesn't mean it's automatically going to be an overplay once again. But these offenses have been coming alive, specifically the White Sox. I know they hit a little bit better against lefties. They have momentum at home now. I think they're going to be able to eat up Pineda. And conversely with Cease, yeah, he strikes out a lot of guys, but he could be volatile too, and especially against his Twins team, as we've seen in three separate times this year. So I like this total going over nine, and that's what I'm playing in the matchup between Minnesota and Chicago. But to get more thoughts on this matchup, let's bring in Will Hill himself, folks, at not the Will Hills, where you can follow him on Twitter. Catch him contributing to VEASAN on a lot of shows like the Lombardi Line, Betting Across America, and Point Spread Weekly at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. So, Will, I know you got several plays going tonight, but like I was saying, I'm playing the over nine in this White Sox-Twins game. Any thoughts, whether it's whether it's sub subtle or just something pre-flop or looking for in-game that you would touch in the south side with Chicago and Minnesota this evening? Yeah, I think you made some good points about everything. I would lean towards the over two. Uh, at first glance, this did seem a little light with the White Sox. I thought this was a little cheap, but one thing you got to look at was Cease. He was really good in the beginning of the year, but since the crackdown on the sticky stuff, his numbers have not been great. The spin rate is way down, and he's gotten hit and gotten hit pretty hard. Uh, Houston obviously hit him, hit him really hard last time, so I think the over here is probably the best play. Yeah, and that's kind of funny and interesting to note out, right? I mean, ever since... MLB is cracked down at it. You're seeing some spin rates being affected negatively for some of these pitchers, and C certainly one of them. Has that been something that you've really kind of focused in on and, and have kept in the back of your mind when handicapping certain pitchers, or is it more so like, all right, that's interesting, but it's not going to sway the way I think this game's going to go? Yeah, you know, I think it, it, it's it's interesting. If you're taking it into account, I think you have to. I just don't think you can make it all your handicap, but you can't ignore it. I think the first few weeks after it, it was more of a wait-and-see approach, which is frustrating as a better. You know, you want to jump in and have an idea. You We like certainty as betters, and, uh, you know, this really threw a wrinkle in things. You know, you saw Cole's numbers 
take a hit. You saw a lot of these guys uh, just not perform as well. You saw the offense go way up. But I think these guys have adjusted. I mean, Cole's thrown the ball really well the last couple times out. I think for most part, guys have adjusted. But offense uh, has obviously gone up since then, since the beginning of June. For sure. All right. Well, well, let's move on to another game out in the American League. Let's talk Astros and Indians. This is a big line here. I mean, up to mine is 286 in favor of Houston. The run line that you can get right now at the most even price is laying two with Houston at minus 106, catching two with Cleveland, minus 115. This total dipped from nine down to eight and a half. Now, Eli Morgan going against Lance McCullers Jr. here, and Houston's had a stronghold over Cleveland these past couple games. One four to three, nine to three, respectively. Uh, how did you play this game? Because correct me if I'm wrong, you had to play a little bit earlier in the day, so maybe you got a different price on this one that we're seeing now. Yeah, I swallowed the run and a half. I just think Houston's really capable of hammering Morgan. Uh, you know, Morgan just doesn't have good stuff. The Indians, as an offense in general, are average at best. Ramirez has been banged up. I didn't see if they added him to the lineup, but he's been in and out of the lineup. Uh, without him, it's a really pedestrian offense, and pedestrian might, might be putting it kindly. And look, I mean, we all hate the Astros. We all like to make fun of them, make the jokes about the trash can. But this team is legitimate. I mean, their lineup, you know, one through nine, is really powerful. Uh, you know, Altuve, Correa, even a guy like Brantley, which most people don't really think about or talk about. And, you know, Alvarez, they're just, they're a loaded lineup. It's a good pitching staff. McCullers has had a good year. You know, some of the younger guys throw the ball better than you think with, with Valdez and, and Garcia. And, you know, Greenkey at the top of the rotation doesn't have the swing and miss stuff that uh, that he used to have. But just an overall really good team. I think you're okay to lay the one and a half. This could be, you know, a 7 nothing, 7-1 type of game for Houston, who, like you said, has owned Cleveland. Yeah, and you typically don't want to lay a price with a run and a half, but there are some exceptions, and I'm with you. I think tonight is the case, and if you're betting Houston in any sense, I think laying about minus 130, what it's at now for the run and a half would be the Bible option. I'm with you. I mean, Cleveland's just a tough team to bet on, and Houston is so strong out there in the American League, especially these past couple games against Cleveland. So we'll be rooting that one in for you, Will. Uh, what about going to the NL now with the rivalry we're always in tune with here on the north side, the Cubs and the Cardinals last night? Cubs had their largest ninth inning comeback since 1979, scoring six and defeating the Cardinals. So obviously St. Louis is going to be coming out for some revenge. Kyle Hendricks and the old vet Adam Wainwright tonight. Cardinals getting bumped up, getting some steam up to minus 125 now. Chicago's plus 108, and we're seeing this total at eight. Any thoughts with this one down in St. Louis? Well, we could have retired off a live line about uh, 10 o'clock last night if we had an inkling that the Cubs would have come back. I mean, what a comeback. That was that was incredible. I had an eye on it, but I was more watching the finals. And then I saw that they won. I said, well, it's one of those deals where you do a double take and you say, wait, who won? Um, I think you might be batting third for the Cubs at some point. I think the fire sale is going to start with <laughs> Bryant and Kimbrell. Kendricks is probably going to be a guy that uh, that, uh, that goes. They're just going to unload everybody and, and get ready for the next rebuild. And I think probably the right thing to do. I don't see them going anywhere this year, obviously. Uh, as far as tonight, I would probably lean towards the under. Wayne White's been really good at home. Hendricks, after a bad start, has really been good. He's he's a guy I trust, a guy that's just a solid pitcher. So I would lean towards under. Yeah, that makes sense. And again, that's kind of where we're seeing this go from eight and a half down to eight. And the thing about Hendricks is he can be so consistently great, but then he'll just have one outing where he's just a train wreck. So not saying that's yes. going to happen tonight, but that could be the frustrating thing with Hendricks from time to time. And obviously just the Cubs in general. You're right. We're going to see what this team ends up doing. But then looking at the Cardinals at the same time, well, I mean, this is a team that's been really frustrating. But as a Cubs fan and just someone who always focuses on the NL Central, we're always accustomed to seeing the Cardinals find themselves in the thick of the race at some point throughout the season, specifically toward the end of the year. 
this season feels like it could be a little bit different. They got out to a nice start in the second half, but then last night, maybe that's a bad thing that could change some some events in the near future. But again, what do you think about St. Louis? Will they find themselves close to the top of this race? I don't think so. I just think Milwaukee with their pitching is going to be really hard to catch. I mean, you're throwing Woodruff and Burns two out every five days. Peralta ended up being an all-star, you know, albeit as a reserve, but that's really good pitching. I think they owe it to themselves, Milwaukee that is, to make a move to be buyers. Now, I don't know if that'll be Scherzer. Maybe they, you know, sniff around for Herman Marquez or Gray or one of these other guys that's out there. Maybe Kendricks, who knows? Uh, Kyle Hendricks, I'm sorry. So, um, you know, I just think the Brewers are going to pull away. I think if the Cardinals were going to make a run, maybe the second wild card, but without Flaherty, I just don't know if they have enough pitching. They haven't hit well. I mean, this is a team, they were five or six games over 500 early in the year. They, they had a couple, you know, early, uh, early two, three game lead in the central. And they've just been not, not only an average team, they've been a bad team for a couple months now. So they might be headed the other way. They might be sellers at the deadline. All right. Well, final game we'll get into. Let's go out to the West Coast. Dodgers and Giants. Now, Los Angeles opened up in some spots upwards of minus 173. And the buybacks come on the Giants because now the Dodgers minus 159. San Francisco plus 133. Total we're seeing at about eight and a half with Urias and Logan Webb taking the mound tonight. And these games have obviously gone back and forth in game one and game two in the series. Split one apiece. Who do you think comes out on top in game three? I like L.A. Uh, now, look, this isn't the team we expected to see in March. You know, Albert Pujols, as great a career as he had, hit, him hitting the middle of the lineup wasn't the idea coming into the season. You know, they had a lot of injuries. Uh, Bauer and Kershaw, you know, we don't know when they're coming back, if they're coming back, which is a scary proposition for L.A. I mean, you still got Bueller. You still got a good bullpen. But uh, I still think this L.A. team has some strengths in terms of the lineup. I think they're a better lineup than the Giants, a better bullpen. Uh, pitch matchup, Urias. Really good in the beginning of the year. I think he got a little tired. Uh, you know, the last few starts before the break were not great. I think the All-Star break was probably a good thing for him. So I could see him bouncing back and pitching well in, the, in this game. That was a, a bad loss for the Giants. They win the first game of the series. They were in control the whole game yesterday. And Smith comes off the bench, and it's a three-run walk-off homer. Just a really bad loss for the Giants. Not a huge believer in momentum, but if you are a believer in momentum, you got to figure that carries over tonight, and the Dodgers, uh, Dodgers are able to get this one. All right, Will. Well, it's almost time for some NFL, and I know you're a big NFL yes, handicapper, yes. as am I here. So, hey, let's get over some or get out some of your plays, rather, that you have at this point for the upcoming season. Now, let's start in the NFC East. Just looking at the division, how it's stacked up. The Cowboys are the short shot, plus 125. Washington football team with that great defense, plus 260. The Giants, plus 350. Then the Eagles at the bottom, 5-1. to one. Sticking on Philadelphia, looking at their current season win total numbers at Bet Rivers, Six and a half is the number. The over, the bigger favorite, minus 150. Under is plus 123. What do you expect out of the Eagles this upcoming year? Yeah, well, during the All-Star break, it's a, you know, it was a good time to catch up on football, start to get ready, and really start to look over some schedules. And one that stuck out to me was Philly. I mean, they got a rough schedule. You guys are showing it right now. At Falcons and the 49ers the first two weeks. They're going to be underdogs both those games. Then they get a stretch, 17 days, four games. At Cowboys, Chiefs at Panthers, then the Bucks. So they play both Super Bowl teams. They played at, at Dallas on Monday night, and they play a Carolina team, which might be improving. That's four games in 17 days. That looks like a one in five start. Then, then it doesn't get easier. I mean, they go at at Las Vegas and then at Detroit. So two road games by the Chargers. I mean, this is a team that could be two and six, two and seven. And when you get off to that bad of a start, 
you start to look, play some younger guys, get ready for next year. You're not going to really rally the troops and make a run. So I think they got a tough break with the schedule. Now, I don't love their talent, their roster to begin with. But when you get a schedule like that, I mean, you're just buried. That's almost an unfair schedule for Philly. So I think under seven, I think this might close at six and a half because it's going to be look, – look at it this way. They got to get eight wins to beat you. Look at that schedule. Tell me how they're getting eight wins. I don't see it. I like the under. Yeah, absolutely. And at the same time, I mean, looking at this division, we always make fun of the NFC East, and rightfully so most of the time. But honestly, the Cowboys' offense should be dominant. Uh, defense, who knows, probably going to prove a little bit. Washington's defense going to be dominant. Who knows about their offense? But my question with you really quick before we move on to another play is, what about the Giants this year? I mean, Saquon, if he can stay healthy, they've got some receivers offensively. What they can do on the defensive side of the ball remains to be seen. Could the Giants be kind of a sneaky, tougher team this season? Yeah, I think they could be. I think that's probably the best way to describe him. I'm just not a believer in the in the quarterback. He's just too inconsistent for me. He's too inconsistent, you know, turning the ball over. He's got a little Winston in him where, you know, one minute look he looks good and the next he's fumbling and he's he's throwing a bad interception. So, you know, if they flirt with a wild card, I wouldn't be surprised. I thought the coach did a pretty good job last year. They were competitive for a while. But uh again, I don't know where the ceiling is. I think in another year or two they're gonna be looking for another quarterback because I am not a believer in Daniel Jones. All right, and speaking of quarterback issues, obviously Houston has some of their own heading into this upcoming season. And, you know, just going even more narrow, not the long term of this season, but week one, the Jags and the Texans currently at Bat Rivers, Jacksonville on the road, lane two in the hook against the Texans. And we haven't really gotten into these games in week one, but I love that you already got a play on this one. Do you think it's just going to be a long year for Houston here? Oh, man, that's a terrible team. Uh, I don't think they're getting Watson back for the first week, maybe the first several weeks. I don't know, four, eight, we're speculating. But to me, this is just about the number. Three is the key number in the NFL. More games land on three than any other number. And you're on the right side of that if you're ja taking Jacksonville. So let's say you take Jacksonville minus two and a half or minus the money line right now. As soon as it's announced that Watson is not going to play week one, you know how the market reacts. You know how betters are yeah. going to react. They're going to line up to bet against Houston with no Watson. That line's going to go to three, three and a half. Maybe it touches four, and you're sitting on a hell of a ticket minus two and a half. You got a chance to either sit on it and hold on, you know, hold minus two and a half, or buy back and hedge with a chance to middle at plus three and a half, plus four, something like that. So I just think you're getting the best of the number if you take Jacksonville right now at minus two and a half. I like it. Hey, Will, we're getting excited for the NFL over here. As can't we wait. know, you are out there by you as well, baby. So we can't wait to keep up the conversation with you as we're getting closer and closer. But, hey, best of luck with those bets tonight in baseball. We'll look forward to catching up soon. All right, CDB. Thanks for having me. At not the Will Hill on Twitter, two E's in the word, though. So be sure to give him a follow. It gives a great insight pretty much every single sport. But, again, very excited to talk some NFL with him in the upcoming weeks. You can also catch his work, vcin.com slash subscribe, point spread weekly writer, does great contributions to the Lombardi line, betting across America, and pretty much other, every other dang show here at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. But the Jags minus two and a half week one against the Texans. He's right. I mean, realistically, Deshaun Watson probably not going to be under center in week one. And once that officially gets announced, the line will probably shoot up a little bit more. Maybe not a lot because it's the Jags, but still enough to where you'd still want to take advantage of it now. So minus two and a half for the Jags over the Texans is what Will's rolling with. Also then in the NFC East, Philadelphia under their win total now. Seven and a half or around seven is what it was earlier, but six and a half is where you're getting it now. You still want to go under. It is plus 123. Could be a tough year out in Philly. All right, well, we're going to keep up the conversation with football. A couple of unique prop bets at Bet Rivers. Odds for the most wins and the least amount of wins. We'll kind of dissect that next. See a couple teams that I think could be worth the bet. Stick around here on Rush Hour. More NFL action coming your way.
Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, who's really good? Creighton, you don't watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament. They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? See the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. If you're looking for a hot tip to bet on, BetRivers Sportsbook has you covered every single day. Just go to the BetRivers app or BetRivers.com and find a game you want to bet on by tapping tips, and you'll get instant research for the upcoming matchup, and you could try this out for baseball, soccer, tennis, and a variety of other sports. Remember to make your experience even more rewarding. BetRivers offers the most live streams in major sports, 
instant payouts, and only a one-time playthrough. Bet Rivers, your hometown sportsbook. Offer valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. one 3500 in Virginia, Iowa. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. All right, resuming the NFL conversation here on a Wednesday evening on Rush Hour. I'm Danny Burke, your host, live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Big thanks to Will Hill, decent contributor and point spread weekly writer, for giving us some of his baseball thoughts and NFL thoughts. And we'll continue that, like we said, with some more unique betting angles you can do for the upcoming NFL season. Now at Bet Rivers, you can look at these options, and what they are are the odds for the team to win the most regular season games and the team to lose the most regular season game. So let's go ahead and kind of dive into it, starting with the team to win the most regular season games for the upcoming 2021-2022 NFL season. At the top, not really a surprise here, the Kansas City Chiefs 4-1 to to have the most wins this upcoming season. Behind them, the defending Super Bowl champs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at plus 650. Then you get the Buffalo Bills at 10-1. to the Ravens 11 to 1, Niners 13 to 1, and all listed at 14 to 1. The Browns, Packers, and Rams, and certainly, and obviously, the list goes on and on and on. But just kind of capping it off at those top teams. Now, the things that stick out to me the most certainly are well, let's look at these divisions, right? Because a team like the Rams and a team like the 49ers, in my opinion, could be a part of this conversation and could be worth a bet considering their double-digit odds value. But again, that NFC West is going to be so tough and so brutal, and I really don't think there's necessarily a weak link there. I mean, honestly, I think the Cardinals are going to be a tougher team. The Seahawks, I know a lot of people have them over their win total, but I have some questions. But even when you have Russell Wilson there, you're still going to be a tough opponent. The point is you're probably guaranteed to split you know, at least a couple with your division opponents. I mean, and a lot of times you are, but specifically in this tough division that it's the NFC West. So for that reason... That's kind of why I would stay away from the Niners and Rams. I think the Niners do have a pretty favorable schedule outside of the NFC West. So if you're looking for maybe a longer shot, that could be the case with the 49ers. The Browns are a team we'll get to in a second. I think they are going to have a great season, so the case could be made there. But the AFC North could be still pretty tr uh, tricky. I think, in my opinion, it's all going to revolve around the Steelers, right? Are the Steelers going to be downward trajectory or the opposite? Because it's going to be the Ravens and Browns. We know that. But what are the other two teams going to provide? So aside from that, though, it's easy to say it, and it's boring to say it, but realistically, the two bets I would make, if anything, would be the top two teams, being the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because if you look at the division, being the AFC West for the Kansas City Chiefs, realistically, the only team that should give them constant trouble is the Los Angeles Chargers. And aside from that, they reinvested in their offensive line. You still have Patrick Mahomes and a plethora of offensive talent. The defense just needs to be good, right? They don't have to be great because you have arguably the best offense in the league. So the Chiefs at 4-1 to make a lot of sense. When you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now at plus 650, one, they have a great schedule. And two, they're returning all 22 starters from the Super Bowl. And also, with the NFC South, you know, the Saints without Drew Brees, they should still be a very tough team and competitive, right? But not the same New Orleans team maybe that we've been accustomed to seeing. So realistically, based more so off value, I would probably circle out Tampa Bay if I had to. But also, you can make both the bets and make some money, of course, on the Chiefs and the Bucks. And it's easy to say, but that's probably the two teams that I would narrow out. 
Now, when you look at the team to lose the most regular season games, this could also be a fight where it really comes down to two teams in Houston at plus 225 and the Lions at 4-1 to one potentially. The Bengals, Jags, and Jets are at 10 to 1. Eagles, 12 to 1. Raiders, 16 to 1. And the G-Men at 20 to 1. But again, realistically, to me, it's a race between the Texans and the Lions. Deshaun Watson might not even play a game this season, potentially. They still have some parts offensively, but the coaching is a mess. The defense is a mess. Everything is really going to be a disaster, we're assuming, down in Houston. Tyrod Taylor is a sufficient quarterback for the most part, but... The Texans are set up for failure heading into the season, it seems. And then you look at the Lions at 4-1. to one. Hey, we'll see how good the NFC North can be with the Packers and the Bears. But if they're going to be better, if Aaron Rodgers comes back, then the Lions could have a tough season, even more so than they're expected to have. So to me, it's got to be the Texans. Don't want to just take that short price. So I'd more opt into the team to win the most regular season games and go with the Chiefs and Bucks. All right, more NFL bets coming your way with win total. Stick around right here on Rush Hour. Football betting guides are coming soon, and there is no better way to prepare for the college and pro football seasons. Our experts provide profiles of every single team with advanced stats and power ratings. Plus, we got best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Each guide is only 20 bucks, and discounts are available when you buy both. So now is the time to reserve your copy or sign up for VEASAN All Access and to get everything we offer for the entire football season. Sign up now at vsin.com slash subscribe. Once again, vsin.com slash subscribe. All righty, back at it here on Rush Hour. It is Danny Burke, your host, live out of the Bet River Sportsbook. And like we were talking about, the football seasons are coming close. And to talk more about it with us in about 15 minutes, Damon Benning, Big Ten Network analyst, will preview the Big Ten College Football Conference with the divisions, overall winners, maybe a little bit of Heisman talk, just all the big stuff heading in to the college football season. But like we did the past couple segments, let's kind of stay focused on the NFL. We're just going over some more quirky, fun props in terms of the team that have the most wins and least wins. Now, let's just go over some of my bets that I have actually played thus far for the upcoming season. Now, starting with the Cincinnati Bengals, we had this bet pretty much, I think it was right after the draft. Whenever the season win totals kind of got released like right away, this is a bet and the only one that I actually played. And so the Bengals at 6.5, I went under at minus 115 with the Bengals. Now, I know that the under shifted a little bit more heavily in that direction, but I would still look into that direction because I don't expect too much out of Cincinnati. To me, you know, what did they do to improve from last season, especially defensively? I mean, offensively, yes. You're bringing in a new offensive line. You're bringing in Jamar Chase, and you're getting Joe Burrow back healthy. Can we assume that Burrow is going to be a solid player? Yes, he was looking like a solid player before his injury, but he didn't play in that many games, and that was his rookie season. And coming off a gruesome injury with maybe not the best offensive line still in the best squad, still could be tough for Cincinnati. Now, even more so for that, because I do have faith in Joe Burrow overall, but Zach Taylor, I mean, is that a guy that you would trust putting your money on to bet him to go over their season win total? In my opinion, absolutely not. 
Now, to me, they also have just a tough schedule overall. When we look at just the games that could be winnable, because that's what, you know, when I'm going over it, what I want to kind of dissect first is, okay, this win total at 6.5, what are the games that they do have a chance of winning? Yes, obviously, the dumb, stupid answer and easy answer is all of them, but realistically, for me, when I'm looking at what to expect from this team, Week 4 versus the Jags, that could be a winnable game for the Bengals. Week 5 versus Green Bay, yes, I'm saying that because pending the Aaron Rodgers decision, right? If it's Aaron Rodgers in the game, cross it out. If it's not Rodgers, then hey, maybe the Bengals could sneak one out against the Packers. Week 6 on the road against Detroit, the Lions are sure to have a pretty tough year. Week 8 against the New York Jets. Week 11 on the road against the Raiders. Now, to me, a lot of people are putting the Raiders down. I think they could be a tougher team, especially on the road. But this is after a bye week for the Bengals. So even more favorable for Cincinnati, potentially. And then Week 12 versus Steelers. If we can assume if they're going to split with a team in the division, maybe it could be Pittsburgh who could have a downward year. And then Week 18. Now, this is tricky because this is the last week of the season. So Week 18 at Cleveland. If the Browns already have everything solidified, if we can assume that they are winning the division, they're resting starters in that final week, maybe Cincinnati has that advantage. Be sure to always keep that angle in the back of your mind. That could be an angle to look at for this squad. So when I put it there, this is just me being very generous with a lot of these games too because, you know, not that I'm saying they're going to win these games, but these are the winnable ones out of their schedule. So I'm not saying they're going to win all of them, but if they have a chance to, those will probably be that list. And realistically, they're not going to win all of those. So I feel confident and love the Bengals under six and a half wins this upcoming season. And then moving on, how about we look at a team that could have a good over? Now, we nailed this one with Josh Applebaum last weekend, but I'm right there with them. How about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over 11 and a half wins, minus 125, the best number I've found out there. To me, I mean, look, Josh put it perfectly. I mean, it's hard to find more than five losses on their schedule. They're returning all 22 starters from the Super Bowl. Potentially a healthier Tom Brady, considering he was playing on an injury this whole past year. I know he's getting older, but still something to consider. Now, with a team, when you're looking at their over, especially a higher one, then I like to kind of note out the losable games. And week three on the road against the Rams, that is sure to be tough. Week four at New England, I think they win that game, but could be tougher because you have the Tom Brady back in Foxborough factor. He's not going to lose that game, but still throwing that out there. Week eight on the road against New Orleans. Week 10 at Washington. Could be a tough game like we saw in the postseason, but that's after a bye week for the Buccaneers. And then week 12 at Indianapolis. We'll see how the Colts are doing at that point, but still like the Bucs in that game overall. So again, hard to find more than five losses on that schedule. Love the Bucks over 11 and a half, and I wouldn't be surprised if this bumps up to 12 as we get closer to the season. But that's what I would suggest for Tampa Bay over 11 and a half. Then going back to the unders, another one we touched with Josh Applebaum. How about the Jags under six and a half? Now, my sentiment with Jacksonville is it's kind of been a circus down there, right? I mean, you know, everything that happened with the coaching staff and Tim Tebow, I'm giving him all the props and not saying he brought this upon himself. He's just trying to get back into the NFL. But, you know, early in the summer, that was kind of the focus of a lot of their attention. And then you're getting Urban Meyer back in the NFL. How is that transition going to be, not only from not being in the NFL for a while, but not having coached for, what, a couple years by now? So Jacksonville could have a tough season. Their winnable games, week one at Houston, week two versus Denver, week four at Cincinnati. So the easier part of their schedule at the beginning. And then toward the end, you get week 15 versus Houston, week 16 at the Jets, and week 18 maybe if the Colts are sitting players. But again, that's a big maybe. Overall, I think it's going to be a stepping stone year for Jacksonville with a lot of new things in place. I like the under 6.5 for the Jags. And then really quick because we're running out of some time, we've talked about it, the Browns over 10.5, a popular pick. 
among the Beast and crew. But look, the Browns have the most stacked roster. We talked about this with Greg Schwartz the other day, and they're picking up Newsom, and they're picking up other defensive parts in the draft, and you're getting Jadavian Clowney, and the offense is returning guys like OBJ as well. This team is set up for success, right? I mean, it all falls around with Baker Mayfield, but he took a step forward this past year, and I assume the same happens. So I like the Browns over 10.5. I think Cleveland is going to have a big year, potentially win the division, but just to be even a little bit safer, I like them over 10.5 at minus 105. And then finally, I know we've harped on this one several times, but the best number I found for this, Dak Prescott comeback player of the year at plus 210. Look, again, we've talked about this with Schwartz the other day. we talked about it as many times myself. The narrative is set up perfectly for Prescott to win this award. If he can play even remotely close to the statistics that he put up before he got injured last year, if the Cowboys can you know, keep atop of the NFC East, he has the perfect story to win this award and is really the picture-perfect person to get it. So I love that with Dak Prescott at plus 210. The Browns over 10.5 wins. The Jags under 6.5 wins. The Bucks over 11.5 wins. And the Bengals staying under 6.5. We'll, of course, add more and recap those as we get closer to the season. But those are the bets that I have for the NFL this upcoming year. And if you miss it earlier in the show in baseball tonight, we're taking the over 9 with the White Sox and the Twins. As always, best of luck if you tail. Stick around, though. we got college football action coming next with Damon Benning here on Rush Hour. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my game. <laughs> Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. (laughs) I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. Oh, my friends love it. I love that it's kid-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex-
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. the most out of all odds with Bet Rivers. Daily hometown discounts on boosts on all of your favorite teams, only at your hometown sportsbook. And to make your experience even more rewarding, Bet Rivers offers the most live streams of major sports, instant payouts, and only one-time playthrough. Offer valid in Illinois only, must be 21 or older, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER, not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Daily hometown discounts, remember, check them all out, BetRivers.com. Alrighty, wrapping up another edition of Rush Hour right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Danny Burke, your host, broadcasting live out of the Bet River Sportsbook in Des Plaines, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. Joining us now from Nebraska in Omaha is Damon Benning, two-time national champ with the Huskers and Big Ten Network analyst. Knows the conference like the back of his hand, folks. It's Damon Benning, and you can follow him along on Twitter at Damon Benning. And, Damon, we always appreciate you making some time, and we're really gearing up here now that the NBA is over for the upcoming NFL and college football season. But, you know, now that we got you on, I want to naturally focus on the Big Ten and looking at how these odds stack up among each other. Ohio State, typically, as they always are, the favorite to win it, minus 200. Penn State is 8-1. to The Badgers, 9-1. to Iowa 14-1, Michigan 18-1, the list goes on and on and on. To you, is there any team that can compete with Ohio State to win the conference? Or in your mind, is Ohio State just the most dominant team and maybe laying $2 would be worth it? Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous, isn't it, in 2021 that they're a 5-9 to nine fave, which <laughs> you wouldn't think it would be that case in the Big Ten. But the way that they've recruited their head and shoulders, Above everybody else, at least from a talent standpoint, they arguably have the best defensive player in the Big Ten along that defensive line. And even though they only turn an 11 starter, I still think they're the team to beat. You know, they've got three quarterbacks with about 14 and a half stars between them, between, uh, you know, with who's going to take snaps for them. So, I listen, they've got options. Dave does a fantastic job. It's definitely Ohio State's. Uh, Big Ten title to lose, but I do like a couple of dark horses in terms of value, right? I, I think Indiana um, didn't really get mentioned in the top four or five that got rattled off. I really like Indiana. I think Allen, Tom Allen has done a, a, a fantastic job kind of procuring talent. He's got 17 starters back, eight on offense, nine on defense, uh, and they've got a fantastic quarterback in, in Michael Penick. The, I liked some of the key additions that they've had um, through the transfer portal. They're actually getting guys to come into Bloomington, so they're a tremendous 
uh, value as well. And I think an interesting team to kind of keep an eye on only because, you know, it is the West, and I know Wisconsin will be the favorite. I think Iowa, if, if they get good quarterback play, uh, has a chance to surprise some folks. And they're always a tough out, especially at home. They get better as the season goes along. So if you're thinking value, I kind of like Iowa and Indiana in that regard. Yeah, Indiana 20 to 1 to win the conference. Iowa 14 to 1, obviously a lot shorter when it comes to just coming out of the West. But you're right. I mean, Iowa just keeps repeating having successful defense and doing well in the trenches. But you're right. Where they struggle consistently is having dominant quarterback playing. We'll see what Petrus can do this season. But they got a good tailback and good sin this year. So Iowa could be a force to be reckoned with. Now, in terms of another dark horse, at least what I think maybe could be a dark horse team, I want to get your thoughts on Minnesota because, you know, it seems like he's been there forever, but Tanner Morgan back in the mix, and you're getting Ibrahim as a tailback, and their offensive line should suffice, but, you know, Minnesota two years ago, they kind of were a little bit more surprisingly great than last year, took a huge step back. What's concerning about Minnesota certainly is that defense, but do you think we could see more of the Minnesota offensively that we saw two years ago? Absolutely. I mean, they listen. They, they bring back the most returning starters. I think. I think they have twenty combined, uh, ten on each side of the ball. And Ham is like Tanner Moore. Altman was fantastic outside the numbers. They'll probably go with a freshman at what receiver. The other is and Daniel Jackson. The key for them is defensively. You, know, you bring just everybody back. I like the secondary or how uh, and Cross. Um, that's good for some back. I think that after passer through a little bit, I was surprised to see them not get kind of a, a ton of love uh, in terms of, of preseason in the West. Most people have them anywhere from, you know, third, uh, fourth, uh, kind of juxtaposed maybe a little bit with Northwestern uh, after Wisconsin and Iowa. But I really like Minnesota, especially from an experience standpoint, you know, they kind of ran rough shot over Nebraska and Lincoln. It surprised some folks. I don't think Nebraska emotionally was mature enough to handle, you know, Minnesota coming in with, you know, 51 guys uh, on the roster. They let their guard down, and, and Minnesota, you know, made them pay the price. So I think that's a good call with Minnesota, especially with the experience they have coming back. And two all-Big Ten, actually three all-Big Ten caliber folks at their skill positions between Morgan, Altman, Bell, and, and, and Ibrahim, too. So th th those guys are tough. Now, David, another team, or maybe this is kind of just in their own category right now, because to me, Michigan has the biggest question mark around them, right? What can we expect out of the Wolverines with kind of all new personnel and a quarterback battle going on? Realistically, it seems like Kate McNamara could be the guy. Seven and a half is where their win total is for the Wolverines. 18-1 to one to win the Big Ten. Is there going to be some hope for Michigan after this season, or is it just going to keep going down and keep going down for the Wolverines? I tell you what, if they get good quarterback play, I mean that's 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 the deal, right? With Whittier and McCarthy, and and I know they like Bowman. Uh, you know, you're getting a transfer out of Texas Tech, and I think he reports uh, in just a couple of weeks uh, on and to get to campus at Ann Arbor. But everything else comes back in tech. I think Haskins is a pretty good running back. I really like them at the wideout spots with Ronnie Bell Jr. And, and, and Cornelius Johnson. That gives them nine or ten starters back on offense. They kind of went back old school with 
bringing in Mike Hart to coach running backs. Um, they got a little younger in the staff. You're gonna you swapped out Don Brown as a defensive coordinator, which I think will do wonders for that team schematically and help them be more sound. And I actually think that's the swing game for Nebraska. I see their win total, you know, at six and a half, uh, a little juice, maybe towards seven uh, for Nebraska. And that game is paramount. It's it's in Lincoln. Uh, it's a it's a name brand program coming to the conference, and I think that game is critical for both coaches who kind of find themselves in similar boats in terms of the the success do or the success versus the fan base's expectation level. I think both Coach Harbaugh and Coach Frost are in a, are in similar boats there in, in respective Ann Arbor and Lincoln. Absolutely, and let's kind of focus in on Nebraska a little bit more. So looking at the Big Ten West winner, now just to come out of that division, Wisconsin is a short shot, plus 115. You mentioned Iowa potentially being a dark horse. They're plus 225 to come out of the West. Minnesota plus 650, Nebraska plus 750, Northwestern 8-1, Purdue 20-1, Illinois 25-1. You mentioned the Huskers. Their win total at Bet Rivers is 6, shaded to the over slightly. To me, I mean, you know, they're at my alma mater as well as yours, so I'm obviously keeping a little bit closer to Nebraska than other teams. But, you know, I still have faith in Martinez. The issue to me is can the off, uh, the offensive line, excuse me, step up, and will there be enough skill position players to step up to Aiden? Because we know the defense took a step forward. So do you think Nebraska can surround Martinez with enough weapons? Yeah, that's the thing. That that wide receiver room is almost all different. You know, you showed you saw some flashes from Xavier Betts uh, a year ago. You've got Oliver Martin who can run uh, a transfer in Samari Toure who is a is a fantastic talent. I really like the way that 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 he's come on, especially this spring. You've got a guy uh, if he can if he can get out there on the field, you have a legitimate talent in Omar Manning. Uh, you like Austin Allen at tight end. You like Travis Volkowicz. You started three pups along the offensive line. Cam Jurgens is going to anchor that bunch as a redshirt sophomore. He's going to play with Turner Corcoran. Um, I like them up front. Like that is, I, I think, going to be their mainstay. The key for Nebraska is can they find a way to consistently run the ball? It sounds weird in year four for Martinez, but the less he has to do for that offense, the better they'll be as a team. They want to be able to run the football. Guys like Gabe Urban Jr. and Marquis Stepp, who transferred and from uh, Southern Cal, will be huge additions. You bring back 10 starters defensively, and they've gotten better in points per game and points per play allowed under Coach Shenander the first three years in Lincoln. So they're looking to expound on that. Uh, the the win total is, is I, it's, I think it's spot on. Six, a little bit of a shade to the over. I like Nebraska to get to seven. I do think Michigan is the swing game because I think Nebraska will start three and one. You've got to find a way to win four more games after that. But the schedule is tough. So it's imperative, you know, if you're going to concede Oklahoma, you've got to go three and one uh, starting with Illinois. So, there's a lot on the line in Lincoln as there's some uneasy folks here in the state of Nebraska. Big time. And the tough schedule, as you alluded to, not going to help out, but needing some big step forward, do they, in Lincoln for the Huskers. We'll see. It's going to be a fun season to look forward to, specifically in the Big Ten. Damon, thanks for giving us a little bit of a preview. We'll look forward to uh, catching up with more college football conversations soon. Yeah, anytime you guys need me, I appreciate what you do. It's a fantastic show.
As do we with you, Damon. At Damon Benning on Twitter, you can catch his great work as a Big Ten Network analyst and co-host of Severe and Benning in the morning out in Omaha covering the Big Ten and the Huskers specifically. But he's right. Going to be a tough year for Nebraska. Six is the win total shaded to the over. We'll see how they do. Frost, that's he not saying it's getting hot, but there are some, you know, people are being a little bit leery out there, as he slightly alluded to. But, hey, that's just how it is when you have a lot of expectations in a city like Lincoln in a state, just like Nebraska overall. But a good college football conversation. But if you missed it earlier, we had a bunch of NFL discussion and picks as well. Just to kind of recap in summation, we went with Dak Prescott, comeback player of the year at plus 210. Browns over 10.5 wins, minus 105. Jags under 6.5, minus 110. Bucks over 11.5, minus 1.25. Bengals under 6.5 wins, minus 115. And if you want to play tonight, we played some baseball. Twins at the White Sox over 9. As always, best of luck if you tell. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Rush Hour. From all of us here at Beeson, take care, and we'll catch up again tomorrow. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Thank you.